Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday. How many, uh, how many, uh, let's see, Bengals fans? Bengals? All right. How many Rams fans? How many Jesus fans? Yeah! Awesome. Well, we win because he won. Amen? So I was about 25 years old and um, just got, we had recently gotten married, and we were living in Lima, Ohio. We had no kids. Life was simple. We were living in an apartment complex, uh, and I met a guy there named Greg. He also lived in the apartment complex, and we became friends. Now, Greg, he looked like and he talked like Carl from Sling Blade. You, know, you seen that movie? It's a Christian movie. No. Okay, I watched it like 25 years ago, okay? Some grace. But uh, yeah, so we talk like him. And, and so what we would do is sometimes on Sunday nights, we would go and we grab dinner at Taco Bell because Taco Bell was like about 100 yards from the apartment complex. We just walk over and have some dinner. So one night on a Sunday, we were having dinner, Greg and I just hanging out, talking. And uh, he says to me, as he finishes his Nacho Bel Grande, Two seven-layer burritos, which, by the way, you can't get anymore because they did away with those during COVID. Another thing COVID stole from us are seven-layer burritos, for the love of God. And as he takes his last gulp of his extra-large 40-ounce Mountain Dew, he tells me, buddy, I'm fixing on losing some weight. I said, okay, Greg, yeah, when you started? He said, Tomorrow. I said, great. I said, you're making what I like to call a full belly commitment. You just ingested 3,700 calories, enough for today and tomorrow. And so you're completely satisfied. So it's easy to make a full belly commitment when your belly's full. Well, that was Sunday. The next day came Monday. And you know what happened? Exactly. That's what happened. Nothing happened except some more Taco Bell. And so I was thinking about that story, and I, I was thinking, you know, how many times do we make full belly commitments to God? Like, we go to church on Sunday, and we're all fired up, you know, and, and we put on our best clothes, and, you know, our best face. Ladies, you put on those extra long lashes, you know what I'm saying? And, and you come to church, and, and we're like, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans God has for me, plans to prosper, to give me hope in the future. I'm going to go back, and I'm going I'm to live this out, right? And then, and then Monday comes, and what happens? We, we, we kind of lose steam. Maybe life throws a curveball at us, but what we believe, the faith that we believe on, on Sunday, and then the faith that we profess on Sunday, sometimes doesn't always translate into Monday morning. See, God didn't ask me to talk to you today about Sunday faith. That's easy. God, God wanted me to talk to you about even when I don't see it, you're working. Like He, wants me, he wanted me to talk to you about the, where, where, where the rubber actually meets the road. The title of this message is called Monday Morning Faith. How many of y'all want Monday Morning Faith? How many of y'all want to live it out? Amen? Come on. I want to live it out. Even when I don't see it, God, help me live it out. 
So we're going to get into God's Word. Acts chapter 27. If you've got your Bibles, Acts 27. If you don't, we got uh, the, the uh, verse will be up there on the screen. So Paul, was a guy named Paul, was imprisoned in Caesarea. That's on the western coast of Israel. And he was being shipped off to Rome to appear before the uh, Caesar to plead his case. Now, what was he imprisoned for? For preaching the gospel. So he's going to take this long journey to, uh, to appear before Caesar. Now, Luke has a friend to accompany with him on this journey. His name is, is Luke. Paul, or Paul has Luke to accompany. Luke is a physician. Uh, he's also the author of Acts, which is really helpful. So now we get an eyewitness account of this journey from Caesarea all the way to Rome. So Caesarea, they're getting ready to leave. They're getting ready to push out of port. Sun is shining much like it is today. You could say it's a sun day. But Monday's coming. And Monday comes and they encounter a massive storm called a Northeaster. It's called a Northeaster because of its counterclockwise rotation. It pushed that ship 500 miles off course down to the sandbars of Sirtis near uh, modern-day Libya. 500 miles off course, they're adrift in the Adriatic Sea. All heck is breaking loose. 14 days, they become disillusioned. They become desperate. And I know no one in here can relate to that. The word's not relevant for today, Pastor John. (laughs) Yeah, right. So here they are. They're disillusioned. They're desperate. They're at the end of their ropes. Acts 27, beginning in verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Soundings, they basically dropped a weighted line down to the ocean floor and simply measured the distance. Fearing that we, the first person, right? Because Luke, the author of Acts, was there. So we, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Someone's praying for daylight. Say amen. 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 You're not alone. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Verse 33, just before Paul or just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of, in front of them all. Then he broke it and again and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. More about that in a second. When the daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. 
But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any from swimming away and escaping. Roman law, if you lose a soldier, you lose your life. For the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out the plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Lord, thank you that you would teach us today how to have Monday morning faith, God. We want to live what we, want. We, we, we believe, God. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. Help us, God. Have that Monday morning faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so for, for some, some of you that are new, this might be a little, this might be a little tough because we're going to go a little deeper. I'm gonna, there's, a, there's a truth I want to point out that's going to sound counterintuitive at first, but I want to explain it from God's word. And I want, I want to teach you a principle that's going to help sustain you on, on Monday mornings. Number one, we need to learn to fill in the blank. Okay? Learn to fill in the blank, which is, sounds counterintuitive to, to a life of faith. Right? We're told in, in Scripture numerous times that we're to wait on God. One of which being in Psalm 27, 14. Wait. So why are you asking us to fill in the blank? Well, just, 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 just work with me for a second. The sailors see the situation. They're like, the ship is, is going to sink. So what do they do? They try to escape. Verse 31, Paul says, unless you stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Unless you do what's completely illogical, you can't be saved. Now, we didn't have time to read it today, but earlier in verse 22, the angel of the Lord came to Paul. And so Paul says to them, but I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. That was their context. He previously told them, only this, you're going to make it, but the ship will be destroyed. A few verses later, he's asking them to stay with the ship or you're going to lose your life. You know, the, the ship that he said was going to be destroyed, yeah, stay with that one. Oh, and by the way, cut the lifeboat away. Cut, cut away your backup plan and let that drift away. Doesn't make sense, does it? Faith doesn't always make sense. Faith is assurance of what we do not see, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith creates a void Listen to me. This is, this is, someone needs to hear this. Faith creates a void between logic and obedience. And the mistake that we make as followers of Christ is we fail to fill that void between logic and obedience. Let me explain it. We have a lot of black and white Christians. And I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about Black and white Christians who see things cut and dry. Maybe you know a black and white Christian. You know, you're going through something that you're going through. I mean, I'm really depressed. Yeah, you just need faith. Yeah, my marriage is struggling. You just need faith. My kids, man, I just found out they're using drugs. Oh, you, you, you just need faith. Man, I'm struggling with fear. Yeah, Bible talks about that. You need faith. And, and on, on, a, on a spiritual level, they're absolutely correct. But we in church, we talk about the spiritual level, but we very rarely talk about the practical application of a spiritual truth. Are they right? Yes. Do we need faith? Amen. But 
there's a void that is created when God whispers something to us and, and actually applying that in our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. See, life is lived in the gray area. I know I'm messing with some black and white Christians today that you're like, well, nope, it's cut and dry. Now, hang on. This is absolute. This is cut and dry. You can't add to or take away. This is all we need right here, right? Amen? So, yeah, I know some of y'all are scared for a second. Like, like no, no, listen. This, this is what we base our life on. The application of that, living out our faith on Monday morning when all hell breaks loose is actually very challenging. Let, let, me, let me point something out in God's word. You, you say, Pastor John, you sound like you're lacking faith. No, I'm not lacking faith. Did Jesus lack faith in Luke twenty two forty four when he was in such agony, the Bible says, his, his, he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Is that simile? Is that metaphorical language? No. It's a medical condition called hematidrosis. It's when tiny blood vessels that surround the sweat glands rupture due to extreme anguish. Can you relate to that? I can. Now, I haven't sweat drops of blood, but, but, but anguish. Maybe you felt some stress this week. And God, fully, fully God, but he took on humanity. And in his humanity, he experienced anguish. We go to church on Sunday. Everything's so crystal clear, right? We go to church on Amen, Pastor John. That's right. Amen. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to live this out. I am going to treat my spouse right. I'm going to be the man of God that you have called me to be, right? We make all these vows. We make all these promises. We get all fired up. And then Monday comes, and we experience what I like to call a worship hangover. Have you ever experienced a worship hangover? I'm not talking about alcohol, y'all. Relax. I'm talking about like when you're like so fired up, so invested and so serious on Sunday, but then you're like, what was I thinking? Oh my gosh, like, I'm gonna have to really like walk this out and live what I promised you, God. Like, it's, it's hard to do. There's that, there's that void. Aristotle said, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. Nature hates a vacuum. So what happens with nature? If there's a vacuum, it's filled. Here's what I'm saying. If you don't fill the void between Sunday and Monday, Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday, if you don't fill that void, Satan will do it for you. He'll do it for you. He's a nice guy. He'll fill that void. In fact, uh, proof of that is, is uh, what's going on right now over in Scottsdale. And I'm not talking about the great golf tournament. I'm talking about the world's largest satanic gathering that is occurring right here in our state as we meet today. They have the Guinness Book of World's Record there. It's the world's largest satanic gathering. Right here. Now, there's 3,321 churches in Arizona. 98 in Scottsdale alone. And I just have to think that if we really filled the void as churches, if we got off our butts, got out into the cities, got out into the streets, took the gospel to the people, I would think that there'd be no room for the satanic cult to come in to our, our town. Which is exactly why, friends, we get out and go to stadiums. We go onto concourses. We go into the park. We take everything to them. And guess what? We don't have a building. This is our ninth place 
right? Ninth, ninth in location place. But this stuff, all you see here, I told the elders, when we get a building, we ain't selling it because we are always going to be a mobile church. We are always going to take the gospel to the people in need. We got to fill the void. And you know what you're seeing in our nation? You're seeing the, our, 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 an apathetic sleeping giant being awakened. You're seeing people use their voice. You're, see, you're seeing people fight for things that, 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 that like, like, a, like a abortion, like things that, the, the, the right to life. Like you're seeing these things to, you're seeing a, a sleeping giant wake up and people are starting to fill that void. But, but we have to fill that void in our own life, in our own home, in our own marriages. I mean, like that's what I'm working on. Will you work on that with me? Will you journey on Monday morning with me? Or, or we can just show up on Sunday and act like everything's perfect and, and just play church. Like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want, I want, when I see you in the weight room on Monday, and I'm always really convicted when I see you in the weight room on Monday, I want to like have like another protein shake or something. But like, <laughs> I, I want to live what I believe. If I'm the same, I, I want to be that same dude when I see you in the weight room as I am on stage. You know what I'm saying? Is, is anybody with me? Like, let's be the same people. Let's live out that Monday morning faith. Here's your tools. Number one, we fill that blank with obedience. We fill the blank with obedience. Yeah, I got really quiet. Oh, I mean, I have to obey? I just want you to tell me how good I am. Like, no, we need to obey, all of us. We need to obey. So Levi, about 11 months ago, he turned 15. He's getting fired up for his, his first car, right? He said, Dad, I know God's going to provide a car. He's the provider. I have faith that he's going to provide a car. I said, yeah, yeah, he's going to provide a car, right? But we got a, uh, we got a little, what are y'all laughing at? I, I haven't even got to the punchline yet. Y'all have beaten to me my own story. So, so I'm like, yeah, he's going to provide. But I said, there, there, there's, there's a blank, right? And the blank is your wallet. <laughs> He's, or, or, or his blank account, right? He's got, a, he's got a blank account. You better check your blank account, son. Some of y'all are 60 and you still got a blank account, so I don't know what that's about. But, um, but yeah, so, he, so he, what did he do? He, he, he began to operate in obedience. Okay, God's the provider, but I don't sit back and watch Netflix in my room. Like, uh, he got a job with a moving company, right? And, and so he moved himself into a, a posture of obedience. And he also, you know what he did this week to earn money? I'll show you what he did this week. Right here. Took this off my wife's car. This is a, hear that? That's a, a hub assembly. It's not supposed to make that noise, Cameron. Uh-uh. No, it wasn't seized yet, but it was bad, making a whole lot of noise, and so he, he fixed that. Now, I wish I could say I, sh I sh taught him how to do that. I didn't. YouTube did. Turns out the internet is good for a few things. <laughs> but only a few. Uh, obedience. So, Monday morning comes, all right, God, I'm gonna serve you. What do you do? The next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Obey. Step out. Don't let that faith turn into action. Obedience. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I want you to say amen because I know, you know, when you start talking about obedience and sin, like, you know, oh, that's kind of heavy, Pastor John. Well, I'm tired of, you know, I don't wanna raise a church of, of little infants. I want y'all to be spiritual giants and I'm trying to for myself as well. Amen? So we fill in the blank with obedience and we fill the blank with the right letters. The right letters. When you're going through a storm, the letters that you fill in when it's blank 
will determine your direction. And you could determine different directions, so be careful how you fill in the blank. We've got to use the right letters. Verse 31, unless these men stay with the blank, you cannot be saved. So y'all are way ahead of the nine o'clock service. It took them a second. Y'all have got your coffee, man, because unless they didn't see a ship. When you're in a storm and you look back and, and you see a, a, a sinking storm, you know what you see? Did you, already, did you already put that up? Yeah. That's what I think they saw floating in the water. And <laughs> did it take you that long? You're a little slow to the party, buddy. Okay. Some Geritol over there. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So uh, I think that's what they see. Because when you're in the storm and you look back, when you're, see, be careful not to evaluate your storm when you're in the midst of a storm because you have lost perspective. You have lost objectivity. You can't assess your storm when you're in the storm. That's why you have to have someone who walks closely to you, right? That's why Nia's got Nina, right? Because if you're going through a storm, Nia, you got Nina. And she can see it because she's not in it. She, she sees you walking through it and you can call on her. That, that's accountability. That's a brother and sister, right? Working together. It's the body of Christ. But I think that's what they saw. Um, the word for that, if you want to use the S word in church and not get in trouble, it's the Greek word is scubula. Say scubula. It's not, it's not, it's not a cuss word. Well, not, not really. It's, um, Paul, Paul used it, so it puts you in good standing. Paul used it in Philippians 3.8 when he said, everything compared to knowing Jesus, to, to know him, is, it's, all, it's all rubbish. It's all garbage. It's all the scubula. And actually, the real translation, they kind of sanitized it. The real translation is dung, right? So that's, so you learned some Greek today, scubula. You get in trouble, someone cuts you off in the traffic, scubula. <laughs> there you go. But what happens if we put the wrong letters in? You know what happens? The same thing that happened on that ship. Woo! They jump ship. People start jumping ship. They jump ship. What do I mean? If we use the wrong letters, we do the same thing. We jump ship on God. Do you know that? Some people aren't here today because they said, oh, I got a Super Bowl party. I got a Super Bowl. I mean, what do you do? I got, got to get up really early and do some Super Bowl lunges. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Get, get, my, get my remote control hand ready to go. Like Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. And could it be that if you say, well, God doesn't give me those things, well, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Because it's a promise. If you do that, he's going to give those to you. And if it's not happening, you're probably not seeking God. We got to seek God first. That's, that's the right letters. We got to look to God's word to fill the blank with the right letters. You know, we would jump ship on, on, on church attendance. We jump ship on tithing. And here's what we do. We're like, okay, I don't, I don't tithe. I know the Bible says 10%. Malachi 3, we're supposed to give 10%. You know what? I'm going to give, I'm going to give 2%. And then what do we do? We pat ourselves on the back and we celebrate our compromise. Stop celebrating your compromise. I love you enough to tell you from my own experience, you can ask that woman there and I'm embarrassed. I'm the, I'm the head of the family and old Johnny boy used to not tithe. Oh, we gave some, but we didn't give 10%. And it messed us up and that's on me. God's blessing was not on our life. And listen, 
I don't, we don't need your money. It's not because, oh, we, I want you to be free. I had a chain attached to my wallet. You know, like the wallet chain? It was attached. And when God freed me up, it freed my family up. And, I, and I, my life has been different ever since. So I, I want to encourage you not to jump ship on that. So we jump ship on God. We jump ship on, on sometimes our kids. Maybe we choose our hobby. We choose our friends over that. First Timothy 5.8, the right letters say, put your family first. We jump ship on our spouse, right? I'm not going to get divorced. But you know what? I, I, might, I might give her the silent treatment. I don't know why you're laughing. Is that Dave? Oh. Have you done that, Dave? Has he done that? Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, all right, I'm going to read the verse about lying in a second. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26, though, it says, don't let the sun go down upon the wrath, right? Like, work it out. Don't jump ship on, 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 your, on your spouse. Friends, let me make it simple. The right letters are the red letters. The right letters are the red letters, the letters of Jesus. And, and truthfully, the whole book is written by God. So these, these are the right letters. Psalm 119, verse 92. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. And like, I'm not putting on a show. I'm not putting on an act. I'm like, I'm telling you, without Jesus, I can't do it. Without him, without this book, I can't make it. Like, I need this to survive. So I, I identify with the, with the author. We don't know if it was David or uh, Daniel or Ezra, but, but whoever wrote it, we identify, if your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery, man. I need that. We need the red letters. We had a, we had a, 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 a family, and, and, and here's, what I wanted to, here's what I'm trying to get through, is that when we fill in the blank, right, with, with, with the word of God, the red letters, right? When we do that, then we're able to take this to other people. Because remember, some people don't own this book. Some people may never read this book. You, I, become the red letters for a world in need. And here's your proof. A couple of weeks ago, we had a family who's in this church. I'm not going to identify them, but they're, they're sitting in this church right now. They, they live kind of out in the country. They had a, a person show up to their property. It was a man, the woman of the house, she walked out because she could tell this guy was visibly uh, disturbed and, and she said, everything okay? And in, inside was a man writing a suicide note, weeping. Next to him was a gun with one bullet. There was no other bullets because he only needed one to do what he was going to do. They would spend the next four hours disseminating the red letters. Oh, they didn't quote a bunch of scripture, but it came out of them. And they saved his life. <laughs> Give God praise. Friends, we got to fill the blank with this. Learn to fill the blank so that we can help fill the blank for others. Second truth I want to point out today is we need to lighten our load. If you're going into Monday heavy or Tuesday or whatever day it is for you heavy, we got to lighten our load. Look, at, look back at verse 38. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. 
Do you know what that means for a sailor who does this for a living? If you read back in verse 18, they had already jettisoned all the cargo. They had already uh, got rid of the tackle, thrown that overboard, which is the furnishings. And now it's the last thing. It's the prized possession, their, their jewel, the thing for which they get paid, the thing that drives them. That's the grain. It's their payload. Be careful. Because sometimes what drives you can drown you. That thing that just drives you. Man, I've got to get that 4,000 square foot house. I've got to get that boat, man. God's fine with those things if they don't become a God in and of themselves. But like, be careful what drives you because it might just drown you. See, they had a choice to make. Lose the grain or lose your life. And sadly, I see people in this world who want to hold onto the grain and go down with a sinking ship. Friends, that storm did, did something good. And if you're in a storm today, I want to tell you, storms aren't bad. I know we don't want to be in them. I know they, 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 they cause us a lot of stress, but like storms aren't all bad. There's good things that come from storms. Look at verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's not good. And if you're going through a storm, don't you dare give up hope. Not on our God. <laughs> our God loves the fourth quarter comeback. You may see one today, but even if you don't, you'll see one if you live out your faith Monday morning. You will see a fourth quarter comeback. I can promise you that. But what, 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 what is good is not that they gave up their faith. It's that they gave up something else. They gave up this, this, uh, this cargo, unneeded cargo. When they, when they rolled out of port on Sunday right out of Caesarea, they're like, I'm a sailor. This is what I do. No grain left behind, baby. Not on my watch. Uh-uh. But then Monday, storms come, storms come, storm, and pretty soon they're like, get rid of the grain, man. See, something happened. Something died in a good way. You say they, they were willing to lose all that money. They were willing to experience all that loss of the grain. No, no, they didn't lose nothing. Why? Because you can't lose what you've already surrendered. Somewhere in those 14 days, they surrendered that to God. You can't lose it if you've already surrendered it. 5 a.m. crew gets here awfully early to set all this stuff up so that you can hear about Jesus. And so our broadcast can go online and so thousands and thousands of people can hear. They're losing a lot of sleep, aren't they? They ain't losing no sleep because they've already surrendered that as a sleep offering to God so that people can find and follow Jesus. You can't lose what you already surrendered. You see, it's time for choosing. We all got a choice to make. Here's your choice. You can die with a full belly or you can live with a surrendered heart. What's it gonna be? I see a lot of people in this world dying as they cling to their cargo and they go down slowly and slowly and you wanna pull them back up and sometimes you can't because they don't want help. I'm gonna ask you to, to examine your cargo today. 
look deep in the hull of your ship. Is there some unneeded cargo? Maybe someone's carrying an unforgiveness. The person that's, that, that will sink isn't the other person. The prisoner to unforgiveness isn't the other person. The prisoner to unforgiveness is you. And it'll pull you down like an albatross around your neck, straight to the ocean floor. For somebody, it's fear. You're carrying fear. And God says, you need to surrender that to me. Trust me. For some, it's unbelief. For some, it's maybe a struggle or a sin issue. I want to invite you today. We're going to have some prayer time. Before we go today, we're going to have a little time just to respond. And I want to invite you to offload your payload. What's your payload that's causing you to, to, to be weighted down? God's calling us to lighten our load. I want to invite you in just a second to, to leave your cargo at the altar. We're going to have some pastors and elders come up. And for some people, you, you maybe you want to pray like James 5, right? You're, you're, you're sick, you need healing, you need anointing with oil. We're here for you, and we, and we know God is a healer. But for some people, you just need to come down, and, and, and God's saying, just kneel and just leave. Abandon that, that, that payload. Abandon that needless cargo. Leave it here. Don't, don't leave out that door so heavy. Lighten your load today. For others, it's salvation. You can come and receive Jesus as your Savior. And for some of us, we just want to come and ask for Monday morning faith. God, just give me some Monday morning faith. Help me this week. But before you come, I want to dispel the lie that the, whisper, the enemy is whispering the lie. And how do I know he's whispering this lie? Because people tell me all the time, no, 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 because he whispers it to me. Same lie. Your life's a wreck. You're not good enough. You won't measure up. You're not worth my forgiveness. All a lie. Total lie. Let me leave you with this truth. The ship, it hits a sandbar. It runs aground. And the back of the ship is ripped into pieces. And this is what the captain says in verse 43. Those who could swim, he orders them to jump overboard first and get to land. Verse 44, the rest, I'm preaching to the rest. We're the rest, we're the rest, we're the rest. The rest, the Monday morning Christians were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Friends, maybe you feel like your life is in a bunch of pieces. Maybe you feel like your life is, is, is shattered. God loves. Don't you know that, that those, those pieces, they represented failure to those men on that ship that represent a failed voyage, a broken promise to deliver failure to succeed. It represented failure. And yet that was the very way God fulfilled his promise through Paul. It was on those broken pieces, on the physical representation of failure. God used failure to become a flotation device and bring them to safety, friends. Sometimes, as crazy as it may seem, because we serve a redemptive God, sometimes your wreckage becomes your rescue. Don't you let Satan talk you out of obedience. For some, your obedience today is to come. Some, it's not. But if it is, don't you walk out of this place carrying any unneeded cargo. We're going to worship together. 
We're going to be down here. And anybody who wants to pray, we're going to be here. Stand to your feet and let's respond as God leads us and empty that cargo. Lord God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you for this church family that comes together. We can be real together. We can be broken together. And we can be restored together. You pursue us with your love and you never stop. God, thank you for that love. Thank you for the grace that you meet us with today. God, I pray that we would, as we leave this place, that we would be armed for what is coming. What is coming is Monday morning. Let us take this anointing, God. Take the Spirit of God, the presence of God with us. God, I thank you that you are alive and well and you are working in the midst of these people. We have a story to tell. We have a world to reach. We have a destiny to realize, but it won't be realized if we can't win the battle that awaits us tomorrow morning. Help us stand strong. Help us stand firm. Help us fight the good fight and win the battle through our Monday morning faith. We love you. And we praise you. And it's in your name that we celebrate today. In the name of Jesus. Let's give God praise. Give this place. Come on. Yeah. All right. You ready? Get down a three-point stance. And you head out that door take Jesus to a world in need. Amen? Love you guys. God bless you.